0: There are moments in our life like baby dedications and having a child and a wedding that changes everything. And uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of those in my life with you today. But one was years ago when I was a youth pastor at Not Avenue Christian Church. Pam and I gathered a team together. And we went down um, to Mexico, the Tijuana, uh, literally in the midst of the dumps. And uh, we were going to help start a medical center in an area that just desperately needed it. And uh, we had a bus, and we got off the bus, and we walked up to this place that I looked at, and I thought, you can't have a medical facility here. But it was, again, so needed. And then all of a sudden, I heard this sound, and I looked over, and there were five five little children. Uh, I didn't know about it until that moment, but the pastor who had us down there began to tell us that these little children were orphaned just two days before. The mother had dialed in childbirth. The father, trying to work almost three different jobs, was so incredibly exhausted that driving his truck back to be with his children, his truck turned over and he died. They weren't sure how to let the kids know what was going on. I don't know that any of it had sunk in yet. And, and these kids ran up to me and in Spanish, were talking and sharing and laughing and me and my heart was breaking. I didn't understand a word they said, but they grabbed me by the arm and they pulled me over to the spinster and we hopped it and we began to play a kind of soccer And looking at their faces, I thought, God, we can't just leave them here. And uh, I found out that the church that they were a part of was sending someone out every night to stay the night with them. They were trying to give them some sense of normalcy till they could figure out what to do. But everybody had no resources to take them in. Well, the group of people we were with, none of us were rich. Pam and I were young marrieds with young kids. But, you know, we got together and we said, "We, we can take care of them. We can pay to have this done. And we found this wonderful lady in the church who if she just had the resources would take these children in. She would love on them. She'd be a mom to them. And by the time we got back, we had already arranged for it to happen. And those kids actually went to a little bit better uh, household environment. Uh, they, they started being loved and, and we were able to support them all the way till they graduated high school and went into college. Uh, one of the children ended up needing an operation. And while none one of us could afford it, all of us together could make a difference. But I want to tell you the pinnacle moment for me in that whole situation was about two days after we got home, uh, a girl in our youth group ran and said, Chuck, look, I got my pictures developed from our trip. And I opened them and looked and all of a sudden I saw this picture of me. I weighed 270 pounds. I'm standing there with a protruding stomach, incredibly obese, surrounded by little children that were starving to death. And I know God spoke to me then. What are you doing? Man, you're eating yourself to death when you could be helping these kids. And uh, I I literally felt the presence of God come in that moment and say no more of this. Pam had already had a far more generous heart than me, but my heart changed in that moment. I realized I've got to be a giver, not a taker. I can't be selfish anymore. I can't live my life that way. And it was a repentant moment for me that I haven't gone back from. And praise God, I haven't. But I stood there realizing, while I can't always do a lot, I can do something. I want to have you think about that. There are many of you here today, you'd say, well, I can't do that much, but you can do something. And when you do something, you know what happens? You find the presence of God coming like you can't imagine. That's what we're going to study today. And I want you to be in Matthew 11, and we're going to get there. And I want you to see what Jesus says. But here's where else I want to say is it doesn't take a lot to make a change in this world. Father, I pray that we would understand that. I pray we'd get it, Lord, that that you've called for us to be people who give, who care, who love, who live our life denying self with the desire to be used by you to make a difference. And God, when we give even a little in your name, you take that and make an amazing change. In Jesus' name, amen. of a series called Freedom, if you're brand new to us. And here's why. Jesus came to set us free. As a matter of fact, in Galatians 5, 1, it says, For freedom, Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Uh, uh, When we're set free, God doesn't want us to be caught back into that. And so we talked about the whole idea uh, of being personally set free by God. And free from addictive habits, free from self, free from obesity, free from in being indebted. And, and here's the thing I, I think we all need to understand when that happens, that Jesus allows us to enter this life that's amazing. And now we've entered a whole section called freedom from darkness because we live in a dark world. And we don't want to be sucked into it. And we want to allow ourselves to find this new way of living and loving and experiencing God in amazing ways. And and where is it that you really encounter Jesus most clearly? Well, there's more than one way and more than one place. But I'm going to get to one that you can't miss. But it starts with understanding what he said in John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said this. He said, If you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. If you and I really live our lives according to his word, we're going to be his disciples. We're going to know him and we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. And then Jesus gave this warning. He said, there's a thief that's come to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. And in John 10, verse 10, when Jesus said that, he said to you, don't you understand that there's this life that's amazing, this life that's incredible. And if you continue in my word, that's what you're going to find. And you and I hopefully are smart enough and wise enough to grab hold of it and to live it. But I want to tell you where that life's found. You ready? It's found in giving, not in receiving. See, that's what we've been aiming towards right now. You and I are only free, truly free when we live our lives to give, not to receive. You already know what Jesus said. Paul quotes him in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where it says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. When he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I want you to think about that. You see, when you and I live our life thinking, what am I going to get out of it? We're in bondage. When we live our life feeding our appetites, we're in bondage. And in every area of our life, we need to live our life saying, I know, God, that I was made to be a blessing to others. Now, now I think everybody here knows this, don't you? That if you and I determine to bless somebody else, here's the question, do you get blessed in return? Matter of fact, the greater blessing comes, not when I seek to, to fulfill my needs or make life revolve around me. The greater blessing comes when I seek to bless others. And in blessing others, it comes back. By the way, it's even in a moment like this. If you walked into church today saying, what am I going to get out of it? Well, you've already missed the point. The question you should have walked in and said, how can I give to somebody else? How can I bless someone else? How can I do something in the hands of God that will make a difference? That's God's great desire for us. And that's where the abundant life is found. And that's where freedom comes from. And God's desire is that you and I would have that. When we begin to live our life, being a blessing to others, giving to others, giving to God. Guess what? We enter the presence of the Lord. And in Psalm 16 11, it says this, In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand is pleasure forevermore. If you want to experience the fullness of joy of God and and we want to experience his pleasures forevermore, we need to be in his presence. We need to find where his presence is and God's desires that you and I would experience it. And I want to share very clearly in a moment exactly where you can experience the presence of Christ. But what we need to grab hold of is this. We're living in a world today of extreme need. Poverty and extreme poverty is one of the greatest evils ever. And I really believe it's a sign of the last days. As poverty has risen up in a way that is just horrific, we're seeing God look and say, I can't let this world go on. And in Revelation 6, 5 and 6, it talks about a scroll being broken. And what happened is there's seven seals on this scroll. And a scroll was a rolled up uh, piece of paper in our papyrus. And what they would do is they would have a wax seal on it. And they would break the seal and unravel it. And they could read that section of it. Now we come to the third seal and listen to what it says. When Jesus broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. And I looked, behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like the voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, quote, a quart of wheat for a denara, and three quarts of barley for a denara, and do not damage the oil or the wine. Now, now, the scale are the kind of scales that are supposed to balance, but they're out of balance. One of the signs of the coming of the Lord is economic catastrophe. And the sound of that, the, the quote of that is where an angel says this. He says, do you realize what's going on? It just a little bit of the makings of bread would cost a day's wage. A denaro was a day's wage. And he says, do you realize? And he says, people are going to barely make it on a day's wage. Right now, an incredible portion of our world tries to exist on a cents a day. We're living in a time where people are barely making it. And they're slaving away just to get a little bit of food. And then it says, but do not harm the oil or the wine. The oil and the wine are the luxuries of life. And what this is saying is you'll know that Jesus is ready to come. You'll know that darkness has reared its ugly head and the demonic is taking over when there are uh, the minority of people have the luxuries and the majority of people are barely making it. And by the way, that describes our world today to a T. We're here in the United States. Most of us, you know, again, we're, we're when we live in a world where a billion people are starving. And 34% of the people of the United States are obese. Now, there's something evil about that. When children literally are dying and the resources are here, the ability is here in this world to feed them. How much more evil could a world be when children are dying and where 34% of our country is obese? Now, I know some of you already know this, but it, it cannot get worse to know that we live in a nation where the average dog is obese. And children are starving. We feed our dogs to the point we're ruining their health. We feed ourselves to the point we're gorging on it. And and then on top of that, are you ready? How much more evil could it be when we're a nation drowning in debt for things we don't need? And see, that's what we've been talking about. When you and I are set free from the bondage of debt, when you and I are set free from the bondage of obesity, it's not so that we can be selfish, it's so we can be selfless, so we can give, so we can make a difference. Today, we're living in a place where Paul Collier of Oxford University calls it the danger of the bottom billion, where one billion people are living in extreme poverty today in our world. And he warns of all the repercussions that come from that. Today, 1.4 billion people try to survive on a dollar a day. Nine million children every single year will die uh, uh, due to hunger. Nine million children will die before the age of five because of hunger. That means that right now we're living at a time where 24,000 people a day, 16 people a minute, one person every four seconds dies just because they don't have enough to eat. In a world that could feed them. The need is huge and we need to be doing something about it and we can and hopefully we are and by the way, you know, what's so sad about all this is, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago when I talked about it, the problem had just really begun, but it wasn't really on our shores. See, we talked about crossing our borders and going across the sea to meet needs, which we should do, but the the sad thing is we're living in a day where it's now right here on our back porch, right here in our neighborhood uh, Todd Holcamp, uh, wrote a really good blog. If you don't know who Todd Holcamp is, and I, I gotta tell you, I didn't even ask his permission to share this because Todd, man, he's a, he's one of the most incredible men in our church. He loves God, but he never wants the applause. But I don't know if you're aware of this, but Todd has been leading out an effort, uh, with Crossroads Christian Church and the Orange County Rescue Mission to, to really make a difference in our neighborhood here. The Corona Norco Rescue Mission now today, along with Jim Palmer and, and others, Todd has partnered with. And we're seeing amazing changes happen. But, but right now, we're seeing literally people put homeless in our area. And, and, and it's hard to recognize it sometimes. That's what Todd was talking about in a blog he wrote. And Todd said this. He, it's called the, the um, let me make sure and quote this correctly. It's called the Bader-Meinhof Phenomenon. And, and you know what that is, whether you know what the term is or not. The bader Meinhoff phenomenon is when you begin to notice things because you're looking for them. For instance, if, if you're a woman and you get pregnant, all of a sudden you notice all the pregnant women around you. Have you noticed that? Uh, if you're a woman in your 30s and get pregnant, you notice all the 30-year-olds who are pregnant around you. If you're a woman in 50 and you get pregnant, you just pray for God for, you know, help. And, uh, <laughs> or you go out and you want to buy a particular car. Have you noticed all of a sudden they're all over the road? See, see, that's called the bader Meinhoff principle. Well, what Todd Polkamp said is this, is that after a moment like this and we talk about homelessness and you walk out to look for it, you're not going to see it. Do you know why? Because the homeless now look like you and me. You know, you might see the guy with the cart and he's homeless, but guess what? You're going to look at all sorts of people who are homeless today in this area, in the Inland Empire, and, and they look just like you and me. I was talking to two of our men who were helping at the Corona Norco Rescue Mission. And the one guy looked at me and said, Chuck, man, I could, I could be one. I mean, it's just the right there. And you know what is, is we've got to do something. We've got to make a difference and praise God we are. You know, a year ago, we had little children sleeping on floors and on mats. Today, we're putting them in beds. Uh, uh, we didn't have a way to give hope and counseling. And now, because of the Orange County Rescue Mission, we're partnering with them so we can But I'll never forget being in downtown LA about eight years ago, working with the homeless there. And the head of one of the missions looked at me and he said, are you okay? And I I looked and I said, I got to be honest. I'm wondering, I mean, could this happen to me? And he looked at me back then and he said, Chuck, it'll never happen to you because to end up here, you've either got to be addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol. Well, eight years ago, he was telling the truth, but today that's not true. Today, some really good people who want to have a job and want to work are homeless. Today, there are people in our church family who all of a sudden they did everything right. And man, they were laid off and, and slammed and the, their legs were taken out from under them. And they would get a job if they could. They would do something. And they're sitting. And, and you know, on a cold, rainy night, this shelter down here was filled with people who don't want to be there. But praise God, there were other people there loving on them. Caring for them. Speaking hope into their life. God's great desire is that we would understand the need for that. Last year in the United States, 1.56 million. One and a half million people had sought the aid of an emergency shelter. And, and we're watching that number grow. Right now there are 643,000 truly homeless Americans. Who we've got to find a way to help. And if we haven't caught it, the need is huge all around the world and even in our own backyard. And God wants us to care for the poor. As a matter of fact, it says in the Bible, there's a curse on us if we don't care for the poor. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 21, 13. It says, he who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. I got to tell you, when I read that passage just recently, I mean, it just hit me. Do you know how many, I can't tell you, I'm going to say on a monthly basis, someone will come up and say, Chuck, man, I've been praying, but God hasn't answered. But you know what I've not said that I'm going to start saying? Have you been helping people in need? Because if you and I aren't helping people in need, God's not going to answer your prayer. That's what this says. I want to say that again. If you and I are not helping people in need, he will not answer your prayers. That's what the Bible teaches if you and I are going to be his, then we need to be people who seek to care and love and give to those who are in need. And if we're not going to do it, God says, then you could cry all you want. What good is it? Now, there's another reason he doesn't answer prayer, and that's if we're caught up in sin. But, but I want you to know, this might be the biggest one. And God calls for us to understand there's a curse on us if we don't want to help those in need. Proverbs 28:27 says, he who gives to the poor will never be in want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses upon him. See, God says, I want you to have a heart like this. I want you to care like this and love like this. Why? Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And if you're in Matthew 11, where I wanted you to be, look at what it says about the ministry of Jesus. If we're going to join in the ministry of Christ, and we're going to be a part of what he wants to do to make changes in life. This is who we need to be. Notice that John the Baptist is going to send word to Jesus and say this. Are you really the expected one? John had been in prison and now he's wondering... Is the Messiah here? I've been taken out of the picture. I was supposed to prepare the way. Jesus, are you it? And listen to what it says, starting in verse 2, Matthew eleven two. 2. Now, when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and, now don't miss this, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now, I got to say that there's no doubt in our mind, if someone who's blind showed up here today, and we laid hands on him and prayed over him, and they could see, you'd go, wow, God is in this place. But are you ready where Jesus also said, is big a miracle of that? Is if the people who are poor have good news preached to them and they're given dignity and they're given hope and they're given a future. Then we've done something just as incredible as the blind seeing and the deaf hearing. And are you ready for this? Even the dead being raised. And by the way, Jesus said this. He said, you know, I'm true because I do this. And are you ready? We know we're his. We know we're his church, his family when we do the same. When we go and care and give dignity and hope to those who are hurting. You know, another life-changing moment came for Pam and I. And I've talked about it a lot because I'll never forget it. When we were laying in bed one night and when Nightline was on, this was some years back. And Dave Marish was the reporter. And I'll never forget, he was in Zimbabwe talking about people who were orphaned. Children who were orphaned because of AIDS and because of poverty. And the problem has been growing. It's horrific. And uh, he began to go out and interview these little children, little children. And the first thing that shocked me in the report is they all spoke English. I mean, there's no language barrier. We could go help in a moment. The next thing, though, was this. He took his camera truck and they just drove down the streets of a town in Zimbabwe. And there were all these children. I'm not hundreds of them lining the road, screaming for help. No one taking care of them. The average child there would die before the age of nine. And uh, then he set us up for that moment. He said, I want to show you something. He said, we went to child after child after child. And we ask a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I'm going to show you a sample, but I'm going to tell you ahead of time. Not one child had an answer because none of them thought they'd grow up. And as he was showing that, I got to tell you, man, I got so emotional. And man, I, my eyes were filling with tears. And I look over and Pam's crying. And I said, Pam, we got to do something. I mean, we can do something. We can't just sit in bed and be okay. And so we grabbed hands and just started praying and praying for a God-sized vision to make a difference. And uh, God began just to open doors after that. And we found seven people who were willing to leave their jobs. And we ended up going to Nairobi, Kenya, And, and they went and established to work there. And out of that work, hundreds and hundreds of children were rescued off the street and began to give a hope and a future and food and clothing and education. It would be a few years later that I would be called by the elders of this church to come. And I, I, in the midst of wrestling it through, when God finally put it on my heart to come here, I'll never forget sitting with the elders and saying, Pam and I'll come, but here's the thing. We have to be committed. There's certain things we've got to commit to. One is we're going to make a difference in Africa. And today we are. Today, we're working in Nairobi also with Christian Missionary Fellowship. And hundreds of children have been rescued off the streets. And hundreds of children are being provided for with medical care and food and clothes and education. There's a school in Joska where kids can go and get even a higher level of education. And it's happening because we as a church family are making a difference. Now, I didn't even set this up. I need to let you tell that. But some of our people, when they were in Nairobi recently, went to one of the worst slums ever to our children And ask a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to have you hear their answer.
1: I have plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans of good and not evil to give you a future and hope. I like to be a doctor. I like to be a doctor. I want to be a pilot. I want to be a policeman. Be a teacher I want to be a teacher.
0: Those are our children. Did you know that? That's part of our Crossroads family. And they have a hope and a future because of us, because of our saying yes to Jesus, because of us wanting to do something. And not only in Nairobi, in India, in Nicaragua, in Peru. And we're saying we can't just sit back. We've got to be a family that goes and gives and makes a difference. And we're doing it now in this area too, in the Corona Norco Rescue Mission. And God's desire is that we would understand the joy of what that means, that it's more blessed to give than receive. And when we begin to do that, we find joy like we can't imagine. Why? Because we enter into the presence of the Lord. Listen to what the Lord says in Psalm 22, verse 9. It says, he who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. uh, Psalm 112 9 says he has given freely to the poor his righteousness endures forever his horn will be exalted in honor I I think you can't miss it When you want to enter the presence of christ one of the most amazing ways to do it is to give To give in his name to love in his name And by the way, you might say well, I don't have that much to give. Can you give a cup of water? Can you give a piece of bread? Can you give a hug? Can you give a prayer? And when you and I do that, we begin to experience him in an amazing way. And those aren't just in my words. Those are his words. In Matthew 25, it says this, starting in verse 31. But when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to the ones on his right. Come, you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent you did it to one of the least of my brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. You did it to me. We can't miss the presence of God in a moment like that. We can't miss who he is. Jesus doesn't want us to. But we can't miss the other side, the alternative. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed one, in the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not? Not take care of you. And then ye will to answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, now I don't want you to miss that. And what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying, is that one day we're all going to be before the throne of God. And God's going to look at some of you and he's going to say, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something. to. I, was, I, I needed clothing and you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me. And you're going to look up and say, Lord, when did I do that? He goes, you're a part of the Crossroads family. I was that child who said, I want to be a loving father. I was the child that said, now I can be a dentist. I was the child in India in a place of immense persecution or arisa. And you provided a home for me where I could be kept safe. He's going to say, you did it crossroads. Now, can we do more? Yeah, we can do more. But you can't miss something that when we do, when we find the blessing of giving, not seeing to take. When we understand, like when someone says, well, I tithe so God will pour his blessings out of me. No, I tithe so I can give more to others. I dedicate myself so I can give more to others. I do this so I can be a person who gives. And in giving to the Lord and in denying self, I find an amazing life to live. Because that's where the presence of Jesus is. Jack Kelly spotted the presence of Christ in an amazing way. Jack Kelly's a reporter for USA Today, he's also a Pulitzer Prize, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winner. Listen to what he said. He said, We were in Mogadishu, the capital of Somalia in East Africa, during a famine. It was so bad, we walked into one village and everybody was dead. There is a stench of death that gets into your hair and gets on your skin and gets onto your clothes and you can't wash it off. We saw this little boy. You could tell he had worms and was malnourished and his stomach was protruding. When a child is extremely malnourished, his hair turns a reddish color. And the skin becomes crinkled as though he's a hundred years old. Our photographer had a grapefruit, which he gave to the boy. But the boy was so weak, he didn't have the strength to even hold the grapefruit. So we cut it in half and gave it to him. He picked it up and looked at us as if to say thanks. And he began to walk towards his village. We walked behind him in a way that he couldn't see us. And when we entered the village, there on the ground was a little boy who I thought was dead. His eyes were completely glazed over. It turned out that this was his younger brother. The older brother kneeled down next to the younger brother and bit off a piece of the grapefruit and chewed it. Then he opened his younger brother's mouth and he put the grapefruit in and he worked his brother's jaws up and down. We learned that the older brother had been doing that for for his younger brother for over two weeks. A couple days later, the older brother died of malnutrition and the younger brother lived. I remember driving home that night thinking, I wonder if this is what Jesus meant when he said, there is no greater love than this, than to lay down your life for someone else. And Jack Kelly's right. That's, that's exactly what Jesus thought of that boy. And that's exactly what Jesus thinks of you when you do it. When you lay down your life for someone else, when you put yourself aside for someone else, and you begin to find yourself free like you never have before. Jesus said these words. He said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For he who would seek to save his life. He who seeks to be selfish and make sure you're taken care of. He goes, is going to lose his life. But he who loses his life for my sake. He said, we'll find it. You and I are only going to really live. When we give ourselves completely to God. And in doing so, we give ourselves into touching the lives of others. And we don't seek selfishness. We seek selflessly giving and caring for other people in the name of Christ. And the presence of Jesus is in that moment. Very real. He comes beside you. He holds on to you. He smiles upon to you. And he knows that you get it. You get that the greatest thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And in doing that, in doing that you begin to be free like you've never been before. And the darkness begins to dissipate and we make a difference. We as a church family can attack extreme poverty in a way that's incredible. We can make a bigger difference than we can imagine. And while there's only a few in here who could do major things, every one of us who can do something, when we pull it together, are going to see God take that and make it amazing. And we can't let go of it. But don't miss this. It all begins... It all begins with dedicating ourselves completely to the Lord. If you're here today and you've never truly committed your life to Christ, let me tell you what it's going to mean. It's going to mean that you're going to pray and tell him you want to open yourself up to him. And then what you're going to say is, I want to truly be yours. It's not about being a religious person. By the way, as much as I've talked about this, it's not about running out and doing just good works. It's about literally opening up your heart and surrendering yourself to him and coming into an intimate relationship with him. And then when you do that, what happens is then God takes you and says, look at the life I have for you to live. Look at the things you can do. Look what we could do together. It's about living life with him and for him. And when you open up to him and do that, it becomes amazing. You might say, well, how do I do it? Well, here's the answer. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, I would come into him. He said, I would share with him in an intimate way. The word that's used there is dine. It's the idea of an amazing experience with him. And he said, and he with me. The other thing about that word dine that means to share intimately is in a continuous sense. It's ongoing. It's not a one-time moment. And if you today would open up to him by praying a prayer and saying, I want this, then God's going to come and take you and make you his. By the way, I'm going to lead a prayer where you can pray that with me and say yes to God. And right where you're sitting today, if you want to say, I want to give myself to him, you can. But today also, I want to encourage you that if you're a Christian and you're not truly walking with God. Maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you've caught caught up in things. Maybe you've broken the heart of God and quenched the spirit. Or maybe someone's broken your heart, but for some reason you're not close to him. I'm going to ask you also today to pray that prayer to recommit your life. Maybe today you're someone who's a Christian, but you've been living just for you. And you haven't been giving to others. And today you're going to say no more. I'm going to ask you also to pray the prayer to recommit. Commit your life completely to him. So today, if you want to give yourself to him for the first time or recommit, I'm going to ask you in a moment, right where you're sitting, to whisper a prayer with me and make that the first step of many steps in coming to him. Let's pray. Father, I know you love us and I know you've created us to love in your name. And may we be lovers, loving you and loving others and watching your spirit and your your presence inspire us and encourage us in the midst of situations. And may we, God, be used by you to make a difference. I pray right now your Holy Spirit would move upon our church family. May we rise up like we never have before in a time that's needed more than ever. May we assault the the gates of hell and, and, and especially right now, we focus, Lord, on poverty, on need, on the hopeless where we could bring hope. And Lord, today, I pray your spirit would move in such a way where you would also call anyone who's here right now to open up their heart to you whether for the first time or to come home. And I pray, oh Lord, that you really would stir. I pray right now you would touch people who need to say yes to you. God, I pray for the person who's sitting here unemployed and they're scared they're gonna be homeless. Father, I pray right now your hand would touch them and they would know that you can draw them close to you and you can help them through this time. That they can make it, but they're made to walk with you through it. God, may you draw them right now. Father, I pray for the person who's sitting and they got bad news this week. Bad news doesn't describe it. It's horrible. And they're hurting. And God, today, they need that touch. They need that comfort. They need the joy that somehow we're overwhelmed this. And I pray they're going to open up to you. Father, I pray for the person who didn't even know they were going to be here. But somehow they feel something happening. And God, they're going to open up to you. So we pray, oh Lord God, that you would call anyone to you right now who needs to come or needs to recommit. I'm gonna ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, I'm gonna ask you right where you're sitting to to pray for anybody who needs to make this commitment. But today, if you wanna say yes to God for the first time and open up your heart to him, or if you wanna recommit, I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to know he loves you. He wants you. He wants you to be his in a very real way. So if you're ready, if you want this too, I'm going to ask you to whisper this prayer. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurt, to free me from my fear. You died to make me alive. To make me new and to make me yours. And I say, Yes, I want this and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you've created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, praise God for you. Praise God if you prayed that prayer today. Oh, wow, praise the Lord.